Welcome to Probably Bothered, the podcast that cuts through online business myths so that you can redefine your version of success. Because I believe if you aren't a little bit bothered, you probably aren't paying attention. If you are listening and you are a fellow entrepreneur, you probably had a similar experience to the one that I'm about to describe. You start your business because you want to offer a service in an area that you are pro at, and then you realize you have to market yourself. And then you realize you've got to become a pro at marketing so that you can find the people who want to work with you on the service that you're really the pro at, right? Me too. I had this experience as well. So today's episode, we are talking with Christy Mitchell and she is a marketing strategist. She specializes in making marketing simple and fun so that fellow service providers can run with their marketing and not feel so lost. It's a really great conversation. I'm going to stop talking. Let's just jump right in. One of the things that I didn't realize when I started my business as a website designer three years ago was that I wasn't just a website designer. I was actually a marketer. And that just hit me like, I don't know, what's a good metaphor? A bag of rocks? Bricks? Punching a brick. A ton of bricks. Thank you. (laughs) And so I'm really excited because today we are talking with Christy, who is a marketing expert, but also has become someone that I have worked with on a few projects at this point. And I just love her perspective on marketing in general. So Christy, first of all, welcome to Probably Bothered. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you because I know one of the things that we're going to talk about today is the reality of marketing your business and in a way that you don't realize when you first start your business. So like I said at the beginning, from my perspective, I didn't really think about marketing at all. I thought, wow, I love making websites. I can make some cool websites for people. And then all of a sudden I had to figure out this beast of marketing. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're talking about when you say like what you don't know from the beginning. Yes. I think that that's such a valid point. And I think at least for you, you know, you're in the web design space. So that's at least part of marketing. I think it can be even more overwhelming to those people who have started their own business that has nothing to do with marketing, right? When you think Mm -hmm. about people in like coaching spaces or recruiters or, you know, operations specialists or people like that, where it's like really none of their business goes back to marketing. And so they just feel super overwhelmed, I think very quickly in the process of realizing like, oh, not only am I a business owner, like serving my clients, but I also need to market my business. And I do think that it quickly feels overwhelming and unwieldy and like too much to handle. And I think that approaching it from a strategic place can set you up much better. And a lot of people don't know that they just start thinking of all, I like to separate strategy from tactics. And I think a lot of times people just think in terms of tactics, right? Like, okay, I need a website. Okay. I need to be on the social channel. Okay. I need to get email. Okay. I need to like, they're all these kind of disjointed tactics all over the place and there's no strategy behind it. And getting a strategy in place doesn't mean that it needs to like cost you a fortune or be this like huge, crazy, overwhelming project. Like it can be simple, 
But I think using a marketing consultant or a marketing strategist as a first point can save you so much time and energy and budget dollars down the road if you can at least get that like basis in place first. That absolutely makes sense. I have a confession to make. I still to this day, I hear everybody talk about your marketing strategy and I have no idea what that means. Like whenever I get on, I'm making TikToks at this point about cleaning out my closet because I don't have to go to a nine to five anymore. Like, (laughs) is that the right thing to do? Who knows, but it's fun. Is it strategic? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) So I'd love for you to dive into this idea of strategy, but also when you were talking about strategy versus tactics, like what does that actually mean? (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting because this past year I've really refocused a lot of my own marketing efforts and the work that I do with clients to bring the marketing funnel framework, like to the forefront of it, because Mm -hmm. It's always been in the back of my mind when I'm doing marketing planning for clients. But once I really brought it to the forefront and showed it to people there, I could like see these light bulbs going off and I got so much positive feedback about, wow, this makes so much sense. And now it's all so clear. And so really at the end of the day, when I'm building a strategy, I'm using the marketing funnel framework. And at the top of the funnel, the widest part, we're talking about how are you attracting people? So how are people learning about you, right? That's the first step is getting in front of people. So that can be things like networking. It can be SEO on your website. It can be giving presentations, you know, a whole variety of things. It could be having a podcast or being interviewed on other people's podcasts, right? So there's like a ton of stuff at the top of the funnel usually. And I think that that's where most people focus their marketing efforts is the top of the funnel without realizing it. But the next part of the funnel, when you come down a little bit is, okay, now how do you convert those people? And that is getting people's names and email addresses so that you can follow up with them because it's not enough for them to just know about you. You want to get their information so you can follow up with them. Um, And that moves us down to the next part of the funnel, which is kind of like the longest part is the nurture phase. And that's, you know, for a lot of businesses that takes a long time to effectively nurture people over time so that they come to, you know, it's, I always say it's building that no like, and trust factor. Like you really need to build that trust in the nurture phase so that then at the bottom of the funnel, you can convert them and get them to become a client. Um, and so I like to build strategies based on that simple framework so that people can kind of fit in those tactics of what they're already doing and recognize where the big gaps exist. So typically I most common see that people have a ton at the attract at the top And they're really missing the ball on the convert stage. Um, And then usually nurture, like maybe they're doing a little bit on social, maybe they're sending out some emails, but they're just lacking like an actual proactive plan on how they're doing those things. Mm -hmm. I I like how you just broke that down because when I hear funnel, not now, but when I, at the beginning of my business, when I heard funnel, I was, I, I thought it was so complicated, right? Like, And I think that there are two kinds of funnels. There's a marketing funnel, which is like the attraction, nurture, et cetera. But then there's also like the sales funnels. And those are the ones that have like the bump offers and the this and the that. And here's a strategy and there's a strategy and do this and write that and et cetera. I can stop talking. You know what I'm saying? Um, So in my head, I think I was confusing those two things and thinking that a marketing funnel was more complicated than it was. So breaking it down in that simple idea makes it a lot more approachable in the long run. 
Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's where you're certainly not alone. People who are like strategy, what do you mean by strategy? Like the whole point is that, you know, and I have this great diagram that I, I mean, I use it a lot on social. Uh, it shows the funnel and like, if you have like a green, che- if you give yourself a green check mark for the top of the funnel, but then the next stage you give yourself like a red X because you have no way for people to get on an email list. Like you can't possibly be doing a, the most effective job possible at nurture because you're missing the mark on converting people. So like if you're missing a key piece in it, it's like, it makes it so apparent what you should really focus on so that you do have a strategic plan. Because at the end of the day, you could do all the tactics you want to attract people. But if you have no way to convert and nurture them, you're making it really difficult to turn them into clients. Yeah. So I want to talk about the way you market your business, if that's okay. Okay. Because (laughs) one of the things that I have noticed about you is that you consistently have, do you call them all masterclasses? Uh, yes, typically master. Yeah. Well, I'll, I do the marketing funnel framework as a masterclass. Yeah. Okay. So you consistently have this masterclass for people to really become aware of you. And I just think, I think that we, we've gotten a little bit, maybe not we, I'll speak for myself. I've gotten a little bit lost and maybe others have too in this emphasis on social media being like the be all end all, like show up on social post every day, et cetera, et cetera. But there are tactics like the masterclass that you run that people can take advantage of in a way more simplified form to kind of get out of that endless cycle of like post video story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that social media feels like. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your mindset of why you do the masterclasses and how they've helped marketing your own business. Yes. I do the masterclasses for a few reasons. It is a big convert, um, item for me, mm-hmm. right? Because people have to register. Now I have their name and email address. They're on my list. I'm going to, you know, now they're going to get my monthly email. Um, so the masterclasses are good for that, for building my email list, but they're a really good way to really give people a taste of what it's like to work with me. I, I think I'm a, a good writer, but I have found that I communicate really effectively when I can talk to people and when I can give a presentation and get really excited about, you know, marketing, cause that's what gets me excited. So I like the masterclass because it gives me an opportunity to be like in my element and show people like why I'm so excited about the marketing funnel framework and to really give them a tangible, like when I do the masterclass, like I'm asking you to take notes and like go through it with me. So it's not this like, Oh, just like sit by passively. Like you can do that, but you're not going to get the most out of it. I want you to be like really going through it with me so that you have a clear picture of what you're doing in your own business. So that then you can start thinking about like, well, how do I make this better? How do I take it to the next level? So the masterclass has been a great way to really just showcase my thought leadership, give people a sense of who I am, what I'm all about And yeah, I build my email list so that then I can stay in touch with people and ideally convert them into clients at the end of the day. I think we tend to forget in this world of like, you should do this and you should do that. And all of this advice that you should. Yeah. One of the most important things is, do you enjoy what you're doing? And so I love that one of your primary reasons for the masterclass is I have fun doing this. It showcases my passion and people can see that. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I'm so glad you make that point because that ties back to something I wanted to say about social media. 
what you were saying about how like, well, I don't, what if I don't want to be there? Like, do Mm -hmm. I have to? And I was just talking to a client earlier today and she was like, absolutely don't want to be on Facebook or Instagram. I have a LinkedIn account. I don't know. I kind of post here or there. Like, and through the conversation that we had, I really helped her identify that. And I think that this applies to a lot of people. She has a really negative mindset around social media. And mm-hmm. so if you have, if you bring that mindset to the table, you're not going to do a good job on social media. You're not going to make it a priority. You're not going to create compelling content that speaks to people. You're not, it's not going to be a productive channel for you. I'm still a big advocate of social media, but I think you have to find the right channels that make sense for you and your business. It can't just be all about your personal preferences. It has to be about where your audience shows up because you need to be strategic in that way. But like for her, I was like, look, just being on LinkedIn is good enough. Like that's good. Let's like focus on how you can show up on LinkedIn effectively. And then we kind of dug a little deeper and she's like, well, I feel better about posting from my company page than I do from my personal account. I'm like, okay, great. So let's start with that. However, I would highly encourage you to like share the posts from your company page with your own, you know, take on it to your personal page, because that's just going to help it get in front of more people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that it's, Social media is definitely a tricky one for people because I think it can be so polarizing. And I think I haven't met a person yet that I can't help come up with some middle ground of like, okay, yeah, I could do that. Um, So I think that that's kind of like a fun little challenge for me. (laughs) Definitely. And it's a good way to look at it too, because I probably, I don't know six months ago was at the point where I was so done with social media and it's before I really started on TikTok, which I honestly just think TikTok is the most fun thing in the world. And I've basically given up on my Instagram. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I shouldn't say that, but I have, my goal is to get back on there. But now that there's stories on Instagram and TikTok, what am I supposed to do? Like go on Instagram and be like, let me make my morning London fog. And then go on TikTok and be like, okay, let me dump this one out. I'm like, let me go make my own morning London fog. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to find the balance when there's, when they have the same features on multiple yeah. platforms, it gets tough. Uh, but my brain just went total squirrel. Um, what I was saying originally is I had given up really before mm-hmm. I started having fun again. And I think that is the thing that TikTok especially has opened people's eyes that like social media can be fun. It can be creative. You can use it in whatever way that you want. And I want to just start breaking the rules of Instagram and, and approaching it the exact same way and seeing what happens because I found that spark and that joy again. And that's so important. It is. Yeah, for sure. Cause your audience is going to feel that it's going to definitely translate to the results that you see. So outside of social media, because I feel like we could just spend the entire, I don't know, 40 (laughs) minutes or so of this conversation focusing on pros and cons of social media. um, I'm really curious in terms of, your take on marketing in this space of what are ways that you think are really underutilized that maybe either people don't think of often or think that maybe they're more work than, than they actually are to like Mm. get going. Um, because 
like I said at the beginning, I feel like we do have this sh- such a strong emphasis on social media. And most of the like marketers that I see in this space teach you how to do social media, but not look at like the bigger picture. So I want to dive into the bigger picture with you. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, first I'll say one thing, one more thing about social media and then I'll move on to a new topic. But I, so I typically when I'm working with clients and talking about the marketing funnel framework, I put social media at the top for the attract and also in the middle for the nurture, because Mm -hmm. you figure if people are connected with you, they're following you, they're going to be seeing your content over time. So it, I think it is important to understand again, how does social media play, play into your overall strategy and plan with your marketing. But to your question, I think another thing that I see resistance to a lot of times is email marketing. Yeah. I think people are like, I don't want to, I don't want to create a newsletter. I already get so many newsletters. Like I get too many emails. I don't want to do that to my you know, list of people. And I feel like there can be a lot of, again, negative feelings about email marketing And when it's done correctly, it can be a super valuable nurture tool. You don't have to be salesy. You shouldn't be salesy, really. I mean, I always tell my clients, use like the 80-20 rule. 80% of your content anywhere, whether it's social media or email marketing, 80% of your content should be helpful and relevant and solve problems for your audience. And then reserve 20% for that more salesy. Hey, here's what I'm offering or here's, you know, Mm -hmm. an event I'm doing or whatever. Um... So I think that email marketing kind of has a bad rap and some people are really averse to it. But again, I think it comes back to finding the approach that feels right to you. I was working with a recruiter and independent recruiter, you know, growing her own business and she wasn't doing any email marketing. And I'm like, you've got to at least send something out every month. And she was like, I don't want to do a newsletter. Like it's boring. I don't want to send that out. I'm like, okay, fine. What's, you know, what's something that feels good to you that, you know, you could talk about every month. Um, And we ended up coming up with the idea for like a monthly market update, like state of the market for like business owners to understand about employment right now and finding, you know, hiring Hmm. employees and that kind of thing. And she got really excited about that idea. So it's, I think it just comes back to finding what feels right and doable for you and your business and your audience. Yeah. So I have... (laughs) not to make your podcast episode about me, but I have a a new offer in my business that is all about business brainstorming. And my thought process behind that is often we are so busy absorbing information that's coming at us, but we don't take a second to step back and think, does this feel good? If it doesn't feel good to me, what do I need to change or what can I do to approach it in a different way? And so I love that that's essentially the process that you're going through with your clients when they feel resistance to an idea in marketing. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be the way that you've seen examples before you. So yeah. it's, I don't know. I feel like we've, we've lost the art of brainstorming a little bit. And I think it's because we move so quickly in today's society. Yeah, I would totally agree with that for sure. I have a content strategy framework that I take clients through and I can tell like before we do it, they kind of have, I feel like I see doubt in their minds. Like uh-huh. what am I really going to get from this? And then at the end, like they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm actually, I actually want to go write that blog post like now mm-hmm. versus like before at the beginning of the call, they were like, I hate writing blogs. I don't want to do this. <laughs> like But if you can approach it from a new way and get excited about it, 
that's what's going to make you successful at doing it. It's going to, again, it's going to translate to your audience and they're going to buy in and they're going to want to hear more. Yeah. I think that's also one of the things that is such a bonus about working with another service provider in your business, because obviously depending on where you're at in your business and what your budget constraints are, it's not an opportunity for everyone. But if you do have the opportunity to outsource in some way, shape or form in your business, I have always had such a positive experience, not even just with, you know, the outcome that that person has promised, but the experience along the way of being able to expand ideas and get an alternative perspective and all of the benefits that come with not just trying to get the thing done so you can move on to the next thing on your own. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Working on your own can be really limiting. I totally agree. We were talking about that the other day. So Christy and I were working on a website project for a mutual client and uh, we were sitting on a, a Zoom call and I was editing the website while she was watching. And all I could say was, I'm having so much fun because I'm not working alone for the first time in probably three years. It was like a little co-working sesh. Yeah. I mean, honestly, let's talk about this because... A part of what I love to do on this show is is talk about like your area of expertise, but also the shared experience of of being a solo entrepreneur and and running your business alone. And yeah. I bet a lot of people listening are like, yeah, it does kind of suck sometimes. Like it's wonderful. There's so many positives, but when you're sitting alone staring at a screen every single day with no one else, like <laughs> it it gets a little overwhelming sometimes. It does. It does. And it's interesting because this is making me want to share a little bit about like how my business has evolved, especially since the pandemic. So yeah. like when I first started my business about, you know, three, three and a half years ago, I was doing kind of whatever people needed marketing wise, because I'm a marketing generalist. I've done a little bit of everything. So I ended up like, you know, building social media strategies and also executing them. Same with email marketing, same with blogs and websites and all of these things. And so when I lost a lot of my clients during the pandemic, because marketing budgets get cut, Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of sat there and thought, okay, well, if I need to rebuild... And I'm being honest with myself. I didn't really enjoy the work that I was doing. Like, I didn't like the execution. I really like the strategy. Like, that's what gets me excited. And oh, by the way, now that I am a woman solopreneur, I've been immersed in this culture of other women solopreneurs. And so many of them are so good at what they do. Again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, like they're so good at their business, right? They're passionate about their clients and the work that they do. And the marketing gets in the way. It's overwhelming and it's frustrating and it's too much and they can't handle it. And I just realized, I'm like, I would hate for marketing to be the reason that a woman couldn't be successful running her own business because the marketing got in the way. Like that would just like totally break my heart. So it kind of like ignited this like new fire in me to take my marketing skill set and expertise and bring that to all of these people who are wanting to be successful at their business and they just need help with the marketing. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the evolution that you just shared because I think in some way, shape or form, even if, you know, the audience listening didn't have a lot of their clients leave because of the pandemic, like they didn't have that same exact experience. You've probably had the experience of working in a way and realizing, oh, wait, 
that's not working for me, whether it's personal or the end result isn't there, whatever the case is. Um, And I had a similar experience in my business. I had my first ever web design client who ended up taking probably like three months. And part of that was me not knowing my process well yet. Part of that was me not enforcing the boundaries that I needed to enforce because all of those things are hard at the beginning of your business. Mm -hmm. But after that point, I realized I did not like this process and the client was thrilled. She still works with me to this day on add-on pages and things like that. But she, and she knows this, she was the inspiration for me creating (laughs) VIP days because I like to work quickly. I like to work in a way where I can get to a result really fast. And we're not hung up on things that we don't have that aren't Mm -hmm. ready and all of those things. So I had a similar experience of hold up the way that I thought this was going to go wasn't the way that it ended up going. And how do I pivot and how do I serve my clients in a way that works for them, but also works for me? And I, I don't think that's a conversation that we see a lot in this space because there's so much emphasis on the customer and their experience and them being right. But there's no point if you're not enjoying the ride. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right? We all got into business for ourselves for a number of reasons. And I would think a big reason is to do the work that you enjoy. And so if you can like take a step back and be like, wait, do I really enjoy what I'm doing? Or is there like a better way to make me enjoy it more? That's really important for sure. Absolutely. Do you want to dive in at this point to my favorite question? (laughs) sure okay so what bothers you what do you want to see changed in this space or what do we need to address so that we can move forward I think what I'm trying to pick the one thing right like the top thing the the thing that bothers me the most if you Um, have more than one that's okay too we have time well and I they're all kind of related really I think what bothers me is A, people thinking that they can't do their marketing because it's too much. So that bothers me and I want to fix it. The other thing too is people who want quick results. Like I had a couple of um, prospective client calls this year where it was very clear that these people came in like knowing like, I want to do paid advertising. And like, once I look at all their stuff, I'm like, you have a lot of work to do before you do paid advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they were just thinking it was like, in both instances, they're like, what's the quick fix, right? Like Mm -hmm. just drive more people and drive more sales and all that. But I'm like, when your website isn't good and your sales page isn't conducive to getting people to buy from you, there's no point in driving more traffic to that page. Like I'm a firm believer in building that organic foundation first, which Mm -hmm. is your website and your social and your email marketing, right? It's everything that we've been talking about on this call to build an effective marketing funnel. You have to invest the time and energy and maybe budget dollars. If you're hiring copywriters and web developers and those sorts of people to help you implement, you have to invest there first because otherwise you're just wasting money when you jump to paid advertising for things. Yeah. Okay. So first let's dive into people who feel like they can't do their own marketing. Yes. That's where we started. So, um, 
I feel like this is like a full circle moment, right? Because this is exactly how I started the episode was me realizing that I had to become a marketer and I have 100% have had that experience in my own business, um, which is why I'm doing TikToks about closet cleanouts because, (laughs) (laughs) because there, there are so many like there's, there's so many ideas in this space and it's so hard to narrow down and feel as if you can, you can create like one unified strategy because there are millions of strategies. And Mm so I think what bothers me leaning into what you said is the idea that we have made it feel so complicated yeah, but it's not right. Like what, what exactly what you broke down with the marketing funnel at the beginning of this episode, that's really all there is to it. That's what you need to know to build your foundation of your marketing strategy. And instead of simplifying that and making it approachable to other solo entrepreneurs, we've created this like web of marketing that. Yes. Like maybe once you've got the foundation in place, sure, you can add on to it. And I'm sure there are billions of things that I don't even know about that you can do. But when we say that we're teaching basics and we're not, that's Mm -hmm. what makes it feel so inaccessible. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the other side to that coin as well is people developing the mindset that they need to do what everyone else is doing. Right. It's like, I think we're both bothered by like this culture that's been created of like, there's only one right way to do things and you have to do this and you have to do that. And like, that definitely bothers Mm -hmm. us and I'm sure more people. And then it's also bothersome when people are comparing themselves or, you know, getting in their mindset. Like, I think you as a business owner have to, again, take that step back and say, do I really need to do that thing just because other people are doing it? No, I need to do what feels right for me and my business. And that's not, it's not an easy thing to do. I don't say that lightly, but I think being mindful of, okay, am I doing this because everyone else is and I should in air quotes be doing it or am I doing it because it's the right decision for me and my business? Absolutely. So if you're listening to this, and this conversation is resonating with you and you're like, whoo, I need to take another look at my marketing strategy. Yes. I feel like the two, the, to, the to-dos, the suggestions that yes. I would have after talking with Christy today is ask yourself, how are people finding out about me? And then once they found out about you, ask yourself, how am I helping these people get to know me and serving yep. them? Yep. And those, those are the two things that if you break it down and really brainstorm, and if, if the answer is I'm not, then of course the question becomes, how can I help people get to know me and et cetera. So brainstorming around those two ideas and figuring out what feels good to you, what feels right to you and what you feel excited about, that's where the magic is going to happen. Yes. I agree. Yes. And then your second point was building an organic foundation first. So Mm -hmm. I want to dive into this one a little bit because I absolutely am not, I I don't want this to come across like I'm arguing the point because I 100% agree with the point. But one of the things that you said was working with marketing experts and copywriters and all of those things at the beginning. So 
My question to you, because I absolutely, I've worked with marketing experts and copywriters and I see the value in them and they do such amazing things. But if that isn't accessible to everyone at the beginning of their business, what, what can we do to help create that organic foundation ourselves? Yeah, I think it's making sure you understand, like, really going to my website, like using my free resources, like look at the marketing funnel, print it out, like draw your notes on that paper. I think that you can certainly, I mean, I've kind of gotten into disagreements with other marketers. They're like, marketing is like a doctor. You wouldn't operate on yourself. I'm like, well, but not really. Like (sighs) you can DIY your own marketing and you can do it well. Mm -hmm. There's just guidance that you need along the way. And so I think getting some clear picture. And I like how you broke that down. Like, how are people finding out about me? And then what am I doing to like help them? I always say no, like, and trust me, like, just break it down that simply. Like, do you have a way for people to do that? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, how are you going to implement those things? Just to make sure again, that you're not just focusing on the top of the funnel all the time with no way to, to really stay in touch with those people, because then it's, you're just spending it. You're, you're spending so much time spinning your wheels and it's going to make you dislike marketing. Yeah. And I know that your masterclass could probably be a really big help if anybody yeah. is at the beginning of this organic marketing journey. Yes, for sure. So I run a masterclass, um, not every month, but just here and there. Um, but you can sign up and get on the wait list. So you'll be notified when I'm going to run it again. Um, so yeah, in the fall, I'll probably be running it monthly again. Okay. Do you want to dive into like what the topic is again, real quick? Yeah. So the masterclass is my marketing funnel framework. So I go through the framework as a whole, why you use a framework, what it helps you do. Then I dive into each of the four sections of the funnel and talk about specific things you can be doing in each of those sections of the funnel. And I ask you to take notes, um, on your own so that you have them. So it's a productive session Um, and then at the end you find out, you know, next steps or options to possibly continue working with me. If you feel like you need additional support. Perfect. And where can people find you online? Yes. I hang out on LinkedIn. It is my favorite social platform. If you ask to connect with me, I ask, I do ask that you send a personalized message. Um, that increases the likelihood that I'm going to accept it because I don't (laughs) always accept requests from people. I don't know. I like to know my network. Um, so send me a personalized message. Say that you heard, heard me on Becca's awesome podcast. I'd love to connect with you. Um, and you can always go to christymitchell.com. I have, like I said, tons of free resources, a blog. You can sign up for the masterclass there. All of the good stuff. Perfect. Well, Christy, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your thoughts with us today. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Becca. The one thing that I, there were multiple things, but the one thing that I pulled out from this episode was the idea of focusing on tactics instead of strategy and really just the simplifying of helping people figure out who you are and then help them know, like, and trust you. Just like Christy said at the end of the episode there. So I'm going to go back, do a little brainstorm about my own business and figure out where I'm focusing on tactics versus strategy and really that middle piece of helping people understand who I am and how I can help them so that they know, like, and trust me. 
I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this episode. Um, message me on Instagram and reach out to Christy on LinkedIn and let her know your thoughts as well. I know we both can't wait to hear from you. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As always, if you resonated with this conversation, if you would like to pass it along to a friend, I would be endlessly grateful. And if you want to subscribe or leave a review as well, that would make my day. It would make my week if we're being honest. Until next week, this was Probably Bothered. Bothered.